Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Bradley Sachs, hedge fund reporter at Business Insider. In our conversation, Bradley and I talk about the effect the GameStop story had on the hedge fund industry, the past, present, and future of alternative data, and how it feels to be a buyer at an alt-data conference. Separately, I will be speaking at the HFM European Quant Summit on Wednesday the 17th of November alongside Rani Paputri of NNIP, where we'll be discussing acquiring and combining alternative data sets. Bradley, I'm extremely excited uh, for this episode, um, not least because you're the first journalist I've had on the podcast, but also because, um, not to, not to um, flatter you too much, but I do think you are the most relevant um, journalist I could have had um, on this podcast and the one that I'm particularly aware of when it comes to the alternative data space when, when, when you've written about about the space that um, then I, I that's where I see the most activity and the most energy. So um, so it's a it's a double welcome for me. I'm particularly thrilled to have you. Oh, I, it sounds like I should ask my boss for a raise. I should <laughs> absolutely send them this uh, this podcast after we're done. But no, I, I'm I'm excited to excited to chat about the space. It's it's something that I've covered for a little bit now, and um, you know I think it's one of the more interesting topics in like my broader beat. So I I. I welcome this opportunity. Fantastic. I am so I'm interested in that. Well, why don't why don't I tend to I tend to kind of um, grow chronologically to begin with. So um, perhaps the best way to to attack this, um, you've been a you're the hedge fund reporter for Business Insider. You've been there since since November. Before that, you were at um, Ignite, um, another another uh, financial asset management focused, I believe, um, publication. Um, why don't we take this from a from a kind of an alternative data perspective and just um, perhaps you could tell the story of how you came across alternative data as a as a subject. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I joined Business Insider in November of 2018. So so this fall, I'll be I'll been there for three years um, and joined to, to cover the hedge fund industry. Um, there was an opening on the team and I've been working at Ignite's, uh, like you'd mentioned, and that I was covering the retail asset management space. And so I, it's a different industry, obviously, but you know there is some uh, similarity. So I was excited to start a you know a, kind of a bigger, broader publication and, and starting a new beat. Um, mm. But the hedge fund spaces, uh, from a media standpoint, there are other outlets that cover it and cover it very well: Bloomberg, Reuters, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times. Um, just about every major publication has someone or multiple people focused on the industry, um, and so. I really wanted to find, I guess, a way to distinguish my reporting. Obviously, I I want to you know be the first. To... Sorry to interrupt, but I'm actually intrigued as to as to what it's like covering the hedge fund space in terms of it is a world in which information is somewhat at a premium and yeah. um, companies are kind of by definition rather secretive and 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 have mixed views towards publicity in the first place. I mean, what is that as a and coming from retail asset management, then that must have been a, a world where everyone wants to wants to spread the word as much as possible. That must have been a shock. Yeah, it, it was definitely it's definitely a different environment. Um, in the retail space, you have a lot of these large asset managers that are also public companies. And so they they do feel like they have to interact with the press. They have large press teams, they host events, they put their executives on the phone. Um, but yeah, you're right. Hedge funds, they don't 
feel the need to talk to the press all the time. It's a lot of them would prefer to never get a call from me, uh, never get an email from me, um, which makes it, it's just a different challenge. Uh, it's, it's finding people that know them and talking with them. There's everyone in this space. And it's something I learned kind of quickly when I was covering it, um, started covering hedge funds is everyone has some sort of motivation, something that, you know, brings them to work every day beyond money, even um, whether it's, they want to be the best macro trader out there. They want to, you know, beat the guy across the street. They want to do X or Y. They want to start their own fund. Um, and so it's, I, I found that I, you almost, once you learn someone's motivations, you can basically work your way to talking with them and, and getting insight into the industry and almost acting like a, I don't like to use the word therapist cause I'm obviously not that, but like hearing and like supporting them and like, like understanding their wants and, and their needs and um, not just going to them and saying, Hey, I, I want to know, you know, what fund a is doing today. Um, but saying, you know, I, you know, I heard there was a couple you know, openings for PMs, uh, you know, at these funds, I know you're trying to move up. Like just want to share that news with you also, you know, what's going on on your side of the pond. Um, kind of a, a neutral, a neutral player in a very fierce competition. And you're there and you've got a vision across the, across the field. So actually people can find you quite, quite a useful sounding board and actually, yes. um, you know, and, and a useful and a useful kind of neutral figure. Right. Um, I've uh, just from, and, and I've got a kind of touch of what you're talking about in terms of asking hedge funds to come on this. Um, and I find sometimes the times they want publicity, sometimes they do want the publicity in order, in terms of, in order to get the um, allocations towards them, you know, to be right. recognized as in, in the market. Um, and then also for, um, for recruitment as well. You know, if you're, if, if people are reading about you and hearing about you, then, then if you're trying to attract the best, then I, I think that, I think that definitely helps. So sometimes they, they want publicity as well. Rather than- yeah. Or, or I, I think, uh, I think the, the funds that kind of interact the most with the press are the activists or the short sellers, the ones that want that viewpoint out there because they are very clearly mm. chasing a, a certain result. Um, you know, if, yeah. if you're taking a 10% stake in a company and your goal is to get the CEO bounced, then you're more than happy to jump on the phone with me and talk about why the CEO has failed. Um, sure, <laughs> when, sure, you know, sure. when, when you're calling about, you know, why, uh, you know, the same manager maybe had a you know quant model that broke down and lost a bunch of money they're all of a sudden not so happy to talk about it so it's um it's definitely an interesting space it's and it's definitely i think unique in the sense that there's obviously a lot of money and a lot of power in hedge funds but they don't really have the same kind of uh res- i'm not even sure responsibilities right where they don't they don't feel the same sort of need to interact with the public all that much um well this is actually what i was gonna this is what yeah. i was gonna ask actually and i'm yeah. and i'm and and stop me if i'm delving into kind of murky or, or kind of controversial waters but i thought the the GameStop thing that happened earlier this year was interesting because hedge funds don't normally get that much written about them in a kind of you know, in the in the grand scheme, um, they 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 do attract attention in certain circles, but not every day front page. Um, and so it was interesting because of the way GameStop um, put them as a it was a kind of confrontation of of the people versus the hedge funds, and perhaps the hedge funds ended up um, uh, being kind of a cartoon bad guy in a way. Um, and I was wondering how you felt about that, and I, and if you heard from them that they felt kind of unfairly unfairly um 
treated from a publicity perspective because obviously this is your beat but also the 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 quite often the average guy will be your will be your consumer i suspect right uh yeah it's it's interesting in in the sense that you're right it, like you don't see hedge funds leading you know <laughs> on the front page of the new york times very often um but I, I think this idea of them being a cartoon bad guy, that's that's kind of ever present in the sense that, you know, it people I think banks are is kind of the throw in words when, when politicians are talking about like the greed of Wall Street. But what they really often mean is is hedge funds and investors, you know, people that are investing in distressed properties or investing in real estate and um just kind of manipulating the market in ways that are, you know, it's completely legal and it's a sound strategy to make money, but it can often you know, the, the numbers can create a very harsh reality for those that are living it, um, whether it's workers or whether it's people, you know, trying to, uh, I don't know, buy a house in a certain region where, you know, there's distressed real estate. Um, but um, as far as, I, I guess, as far as the actual, the GameStop stuff, um, I, I thought that the issue there was, it was just so fast moving that, no fund or even, I mean, you saw Robinhood too ran into a lot of public relations problems during that standpoint. Sure. It was just such, so fast moving that no one could really develop like a PR strategy almost. Like I, I, you know, I, I never feel sympathetic for a hedge fund. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of like an absurd, absurd thing to think about. But hearing Gabe Plotkin, Gabe Plotkin talk to when he was speaking in front of Congress about how his family is getting death threats and stuff. It's like they're, there it did very quickly get out of hand um and to the point where it was like it, it felt very surreal covering it and writing about it um and i think from uh you know not hearing from those funds that were involved like i you know speaking to other people in the industry though it was like they were frustrated by the sense that like they felt that that it was a very coordinated trading thing where if they did the same thing you know there'd be regulatory bodies on them and you know, I, I was like, well, it's, you know, in the, you know, playing devil's advocate, it was like talking to them and be like, well, it's kind of hard to <laughs> go after, you know, millions of retail traders and, you know, bring some kind of massive regulatory action. But um, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say fear. Fear is not definitely not the right word, but just like, I guess, shock and, and um, frustration and anger in a lot of ways. But um it's a it's a fast it was a fascinating phenomenon and it's, it's one we kind of have seen continue obviously not to that extent but there people are you have to watch what retail traders do um and it's not you know it's not just like bet against the dumb money but it's actually you have to respect where that tide is going which i think is a, a, a kind of new reality for a lot of these hedge funds for sure i i saw a i saw a very interesting um kind of idea theory that the retail money is the kind of the moving part in the in the in the market in terms of the the large kind of you know the mutual funds and and they they're quite predictable and they move slowly whereas where the retail decide, where the retail investor decides to put his money today um and if it's different from yesterday then that is the bit where the movement's happening and so that's where the bit where the price is going to happen so in a way even though they're perhaps not as big as, as some of the bigger asset managers, they are, um, you know, they can be influential because they're maybe because they're so fickle in a way and they can move in as a crowd. Um, but I think um, let us carry on with with uh, <laughs> let's carry on with alternative data. I, I, I pushed you off track while you were while you were telling the story of, of, of how you first came to alternative data. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, wanting to to cover hedge funds in a, a 
different way or, or, you know, just hear about different parts of the industry. And it was um, attending these early conferences of, you know, is that a Battlefin conference or, um, you know, a, a Quando conference and just kind of taken away with the amount of interest and like the number of vendors doing really interesting things um, in the alt data space. And then we wrote a few stories about it. And it was, I think another thing that is um, somewhat unique about uh, my publication is, is we are very attentive to, to what our readers want to read. You know, it's not just writing things that we think we should cover, but if, if there's a topic that our readers show a lot of interest in, we're going to keep pursuing that topic. And um, immediately with the, the first couple of data stories I, I put together and it was me and my colleague, uh, Dan T. Francesco, I've written a lot of these. Dan's now an editor on my team, um, but he knows the space really well um, also. But it was it was shocking, the amount of interest. Um, and so we we dedicated resources and time to, to covering the space, to learning about the major players, to, um, to writing about more than just, uh, you know, this is an interesting data set, um, but like trying to understand the data strategies from a hedge fund perspective, um, trying to understand... The, the realities of an industry that, that change every year. Like I, I think something that I've got to witness and write about is, is almost an institutionalization of the space. Um, obviously there's still a lot, a lot of time to grow, but you know, it, it's shocking to think about covering it, you know, almost two years ago. And now where, you know, Bloomberg's buying all data providers, you know, mm-hmm. FactSet has, you know, their, you know, pick of all data providers, um, you have these massive players that believe in the space and, and obviously are not slowing down. Blackstone is, you know, apparently mining their portfolio companies for alternative data. So um, it's, it's an interesting and fascinating space and, and it goes hand in hand with my hedge fund coverage too. So that's for sure. No, that, I mean, that's all. Um, so the, so, okay. A couple of questions emerge. Uh, do you know who, um, when you say there was so much interest, uh, do you get a kind of granular granularity as to what kind of reader was particularly interested? Was it, do you think it was people within the industry? You discovered that you had people in the kind of hedge fund and, and maybe alternative data industry and they were reading it. Or do you feel that there was a, there was a swell outside of that amongst, amongst kind of main street? Yeah. So I, so I write mostly for the stuff that goes behind our paywall. So that usually lends itself to people actually working in the industry because you're more willing to pay for an article and then, you know, go on and read it if it's something that's like right in your wheelhouse versus, you know, oh, I found this headline interesting. Oh, I'm not sure I'm going to pay money for it though. Like I'm, I just work, you know, in IT. I don't know if mm-hmm. I necessarily need to know this. Um, so I, I don't, I can't say like this, you know, there was 12 people that worked at Citadel that were reading it, but um, it, our assumption always is that it's it's people within the industry um, that are interested in the space, that are living it day to day, and like want to know about their peers, want to know about their competitors, um, and are trying to get smarter. Like our our goal is is to make people smarter and more efficient at their jobs by giving them interesting information, by you know helping them come up with new ideas. Um, and so I and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the, the alt data space because it was so new and and obviously the more advanced funds have been using these data sets for a little while now but so many funds have like had to dedicate resources to it that i think they were turning to whatever you know kind of manual they could find and a lot of times just a quick google would pull up one of my articles and so you know these funds that are creating their data strategies and being like well this is you know 
you know, Business Insider had an interview with, you know, someone from Bridgewater on, on how they think about alt data. Like we should, we should definitely be paying attention to what this person's saying or, um, mm. you know, they're, they're talking to, you know, an alt data aggregator and, and, you know, this is kind of like the areas this person's seeing um, emerge. So um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely people within the industry. Another thing you mentioned is that you see the kind of uh, an institutionalization happening from um, 20, 2018 to, to now, last two or three years. Um, and you, and you touched on some of the, some of the larger players who, so a Bloomberg um, and a fact set who are obviously the big traditional data providers who are seeing potentially the, the new kid on the, on the beat um, coming and, 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 you know, that, I mean, I can, I can definitely see that kind of the strategic interest in, 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 if this is a, a new form of financial data, which, which people are using, then, then we want to be part of it. Do you see any, any, any of that kind of coming up from below as well? Or do you see the big boys and in other industries or, or related industries leading over? And that's how you see the, the, the sector consolidating or, or is there kind of more organic? Can you see that at all as, as well or in, uh, going on? I think the larger players are still trying to figure out exactly how alt data fits into like their existing frameworks. Um, I think the the interesting thing about alt data is that there's very few data sets that have become like so widely used that you can build like a truly massive company um, or like become a you know very significant part of a massive company. Um, obviously, credit card data comes to mind as like something that you know just about every hedge fund wants and needs. Um, but you know even even the top credit card providers they're not you know gonna ever get close to the size of like Bloomberg's traditional market data. So um, I think that's like, when I think about how the space is progressing, it's like what data set, what framework of an alternative data company um, is going to be the one that like is the massive player. Like, so so similar web is, you know, it's now public of course, and Mm. they're they're doing this web traffic type data. which is for a lot of money as well. It's worth yeah, saying. yeah. Which and which is which, I, and I think web traffic data or web scraping data, like Thinkdom does. Um, I think those are data sets that, or types of data that at least could could seriously generate, you know, a, a lot of revenue. But I don't know if they'll ever get to that Bloomberg size. But um, mm-hmm. you know, at least thinking about similar web, you know, and and kind of hearing about how they've expanded beyond, you know asset management beyond financial services and they have you know these massive fortune 500 companies as as clients like that that's like the path right where you obviously can get from you know selling to 15 hedge funds and and having a nice little business to oh like this is now becoming you know a multi-billion dollar business that you know is you know worthy of you know competing with the big boys and and you know one that uh you can you know, you can look at an offer from, you know, maybe a serious player and, and kind of scoff at it because, because you know that you're just going to get bigger and bigger. Um, which is, again, I, I think it's like a, a, a part of being a growing industry and kind of a maturing industry and figuring out, you know, exactly who's going to be the, the true winner. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's a space where like one or two dominant players are going to come and squeeze everyone else out. There's just like too many weird data sets out there. Um, unless like one aggregator really takes off which again, I, I think will be rare because so many hedge funds have invested so much money in the data science and data, you know, searchers 
uh, you know, the, the data buyers. And so, I, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of hedge funds think their edge is like finding data sets that no one else is finding and using them differently than, than everyone else. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't see like a data aggregator necessarily becoming like the dominant player. You're focusing, so um, you're focusing on the alternative data providers when you're looking for potential um, or unicorns or, or giant firms or whatever. Um, and one way that they may grow to a gigantic size. So I'm just trying to trying to think this through. One one way they may grow to a gigantic size might be if if all sorts of different use cases develop for their data um, right. in terms of obviously um you're the hedge fund reporter and hedge funds is obviously where alternative data has kind of come from. Um, right. and so is currently the epicenter. But say um a major web scraper or or similar suddenly all the corporations and all the um you know all the corporations and, and governments etc suddenly needed this web scrape david to do it i wonder if that could be that could be a kind of supercharger in terms of growth and you could see um you could see massive potential there um but another thing is 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 tooling as well which which hasn't been discussed in terms of tooling or delivery or or one of the one of those kind of providers who are in between the, the right. buyer and the and the seller and and somebody who's kind of making it possible perhaps opening up um opening up the possibilities of, of alternative data as well and and um have you seen any have you seen any activity in that space i think i mean i think it's a valuable space um in the sense that there's going to be a lot of smaller asset managers there's going to be you know probably these large retail asset managers that don't really want to invest a ton of money in data science that will need these the insights generated by alternative data but they don't necessarily want to pay to have a team um this like outsourced data science idea um i think that's a i think that's a viable business i don't think it's going to be a, a massive business because um like i said I, I think there's like the 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 hedge funds spending the most on data and this type of data are going to have massive data science teams data buyer teams of their own so they don't necessarily want a third party that is going to like you know do all the manipulation of it before it gets to them and just kind of present the like and this is where you know this is kind of the insight you get from this um you know a lot of them want to take almost a raw form of that original data set and, and play with it and manipulate it on their own mm. um but that said like like especially if more corporations get into the space and, and find find use cases for it you're going to need this like outsource data science type idea this outsource data buyer type company that can help you know frankly like not very digitally or data savvy companies get the information they need and it is i mean i i, I feel for some of these these corporations that need that insight but you know you then look at the alternative data space and it's just like it's an overwhelming number of providers if you haven't really explored it or researched it um and so i, I see the i see the value there but um i don't know if, if one of those companies will ever be a dominant player the way like a, a truly big provider would be um, like a household name of some sort yeah right. um do you you mentioned so you mentioned earlier that um your your kind of your role to to these hedge funds is in some in some cases a kind of confidant um and a and a and a someone someone to talk to um i don't have you i don't suppose you've heard any um any common gripes 
from hedge funds about the problems with alternative data about about why what 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 the drawbacks are why they're reluctant to use it or which ones they try to avoid or or anything along those lines yeah i mean i I think everyone complains about anyone they work with right um but (laughs) it's um i i think uh something that comes up a, a fair bit is uh i mean one and I think, and I feel for like the like kind of startup data providers that think like hedge funds are just like this pool of money and they just throw it at anyone. Like the amount of times I've heard, you know, data buyers complain about pricing or prices changing is, you know, it's, it's too many to count, which is, you know, again, it's like you work for this hedge fund that, you know, the founder is a billionaire. Like you guys, you guys should be all right on, you know, paying an extra $10,000 a year. But yeah. the reason they're billionaires and the reason that, yeah. you know, the returns have been so great is because they watch that bottom line. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll squeeze you for every penny. Um, I, I, you know, I guess on, on the other side, I'm trying to think, I think something frustrating to a lot of people that work in data at, on the buy side is these data sets so quickly lose that alpha edge, um, just because of, I mean, that's, that's their fault, surely, isn't it? They're, they're all too, they're all too good. They should, <laughs> right. should have chosen a less competitive space. Exactly. Yeah. If you if you'd gone to, you know, work at Vanguard, you'd be doing just fine. Yeah. No, I I um yeah, I know it's it's a good thing, right? It's like you but it's it I, I do see how it's frustrating for people on the data side of it at the on the buy side where it's like I you know, I spent all this time vetting this company, getting this company in front of the PMs. Um we, you know, we got this data and then it was only worth, you know, we only could really use it for two weeks because then everyone else on the street had it. Um, or, you know, the just general market environment changed and that data wasn't really showing anything anymore. Uh, you know, I, d- I just wrote a piece on, um, you know, some of the the top providers that, uh, you know, I am I heard from, from the sources I talked to on the buy side that they used to track supply chain problems which right now is obviously a big focus for, for any investor, like the supply chain issues that are plaguing the global economy is, is kind of the story of the moment. Um, mm. But if there is some big shift where, you know, I don't know, there's, there's some big incentive and all of a sudden, you know, there's 10,000 more port workers in the U S and the supply chain problems are no more. Um, then like those, what, those, those providers, all, you know, the, it's those hedge funds are, are not going to stick around and be like, oh, we'll, we'll just keep you like on the payroll until the next supply chain issue. Like they, they're quick to, to, to drop providers if, if there's no current relevant use, um, which I think is, is also hard for, for that relationship. Um, probably because, because it's probably a product of the fact that there are so many providers that you can, you know, right. such a, such a pool that you can, or not treat them badly, but you can be, you know, a little flippant um, because you know that there'll be another one along that you can you can pick up if things go wrong, type thing. Right, and I, I've always been I've always been like shocked at how many providers there are. Which again, I think it's a sign of a healthy industry if people are interested in in starting a company in in a in a exciting space. But I, I think I was at Battlefin in 2019, and I was talking to someone who had been there. Uh, who had been in kind of the data space and the provider space for a good while. Like, he, you know, his company had been around for probably 10 years or so. And, you know, he was remarking on how this was the most vendors he'd ever seen and all this stuff. And then was just kind of like, I think about half of these guys are going to be out of business in two years. And not in a way that was like, I'm, you know, going to crush them or something like that. But just in the like reality of like, 
you know, some of these guys are in their first or second year and they're starting to realize that hedge funds don't just give you, you know, a six figure contract because yeah. you found some interesting connection, <laughs> you know, in data, like over a six month period, like there, there needs to be the, the the vetting process takes a long time. The actual contract negotiations take a long time and you have to constantly be able to prove your worth and prove that your data set has been useful for a good stretch of time. It can't just be like, well, it worked for the last two weeks. I think you guys can get some <laughs> alpha out of it. You know, they want track records, um, which can be really hard for any any startup. For sure. How, how ubiquitous do you think um, alternative data is now in a hedge fund? If you are approaching, a, maybe approaching a hedge fund for the first time or, or, um, or not, like just generally, if you were to pick a hedge fund out of a hat, what do you think the chances would be that they use alternative data in their in their day to day? How 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 across the the space do you think it is? That's that's a good question. Like data vendors, there's also a ton of hedge funds. You know, there's there's I think over ten thousand hedge funds globally, which is, is kind of a wow. shocking number. Um, but um, if you if you like filtered that to like hedge funds over a billion in assets, I'd say, you know, an overwhelming majority are using alternative data on a day-to-day basis. It's when you, it's when you get to like the funds that are managing, you know, 30, 40, 50, $60 million that, you know, it's, it's three guys and it, you know, they're just trying to kind of make returns and, and grow their capital or they're, you know, they're more than happy with their long only tech strategy. And they're not really worried about, uh, you know, tracking the latest changes to a supply chain. Um, and so it's, or, you know, or that data is just too expensive. Like their, you know, their fees are what they are and they mm-hmm. can't afford it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I'm not entirely sure if I, you know, if you took the like global entire pool of funds, what the percentage would be. But um, I think the second you get to like that billion dollar mark, it's, it's just, I, I'm not going to say every one of them because I'm sure there's not, but um, it is a lot of them. And a lot of them, especially if you keep getting bigger and bigger, you know, you hit a, the 10 billion mark or the the 5 billion mark. Like a lot of them have at the very least a guy in charge of data or data science. And then, you know, you hit the 10, 15 billion mark, they have teams that handle it. Um, so the more you scale up in the industry, the, the more, you know, the more they're using it, but also, I, you know, I think the longer the vetting process, the longer the back and forth with, uh, with vendors uh, probably is. And the, yeah, um, I find, I find that it's often the same names that, that come up um, and they're kind of a, a dropped as a kind of, oh yeah, obviously, you know, the, the, the point seventy twos, the world quants, the um, citadels, uh, would you be able to um, characterize what type of hedge fund is a big, alternative data user is there apart from the fact that they use a lot of alternative data is there anything else which might distinguish them which might be a kind of characteristic which would be well obviously because they also da, 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 da. is there is there anything like that you think which which would make that section of the market particularly alternative data prone yeah i mean i think you, it sounds like you mentioned some of the the main multi-strats the the point 72s the citadels the millenniums um i i think they're naturally going to be big all data users because they have these you know, these pods of teams that are, you know, you could have a team trading, you know, uh, energy equities and they need very specific data on energy to, to kind of inform their strategy. So, you know, the, the parent organization is buying that data for them. Um, 
but then you, you know the team next door is trading you know about retail equities and so they need to know about you know credit card receipts at jc penny last month um mm. and so they're getting that data set so they've got so many they got so many potential uses that it actually yeah. makes sense to buy the data because you can you can repurpose it so many times. Exactly. Exactly. And those are the places that will have, you know, like central teams that are, you know, passing along insights or or you know, even like the pods, you know, I think that's like a, kind of a millennium sp- specific word but it, it kind of applies to a lot of the multi-strats where you know you have these teams where it's, you know, portfolio manager to leading a group mm-hmm. of analysts and they're focused on a very specific strategy and they have an allocation of however many, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars from, from kind of the, the mothership. Um, and have a data, do you think that a pod would have a data budget? Exactly. So like, like those, those like little pods will have data budgets and some of them even have like their own assigned data scientist, right? Like they'll, they'll have someone that's like, you're, you're my guy to work on data science. Um, Mm. And, you know, we, we're looking to get these insights. And so, you know, you work with the broader data team and find the, find the data sets that help us and, and kind of give us those insights when we need them. Um, and then, you know, on, I guess in the, the flip, the, the really big quant firms are obviously using a ton of data. Um, I think the interesting thing about some of those firms is, is, you know, they're also collecting and generating data themselves, whether it's just, you know, they'll, they'll run, they're obviously you know, very technical, um, very intelligent people. And, you know, they'll run, you know, their own web scraping stuff to, to monitor things. Like it's, it's obviously there, if they're, if you're buying data from a vendor who only does web scraping, maybe it's a little more focused, a little more nuanced, but if you just want, and, you know, some of these big quant firms are trading so quickly, if you just want, you know, in a little note in a model to be like, and, you know, if you see this word pop up on an earnings call, like, flag it to whoever or you know that translate into like another decision on the, the flow chart of the, the quants algorithm um mm-hmm. and so you know they they're smart enough to develop those tools themselves and so um even some of those these big tech firms are using you know quote unquote alternative data so sometimes they might be um might be generating it themselves internally um which is which is really interesting when you're when you're writing an alternative data story, um, what will drive you to write one? Is it more likely to be um, that you have come across a kind of data you haven't, or a phenomenon in alternative data you haven't heard about from the kind of data side, or will it because you're a hedge fund reporter, will it tend to come from a hedge funder saying this is what I'm finding interesting, and you're like, well, if they're finding it interesting, it's probably interesting. Like, is there a is there a normal source of of where this kind of thing comes from, or is it, um, you know, is it is it kind of hedge fund led, or is it does it come from various places? Like, how how, how does it come about? Yeah, I'm kind of constantly in conversation with people in the industry, um, both you know on on the buy side, but also on the from the from the vendor side of it all. Um, I guess what, what kind of spurs a story is, you know, there's a lot of factors that like go into writing a news article, but kind of the big one is, is timeliness often, you know, like the most recent one I wrote about um, supply chain stuff. Like that's obviously very top of mind for a lot of people right now, but um, beyond that, does that, it, does that come from without giving too much, you know, yeah, inside, yeah. Inside, inside a business insider stuff, but is that the editor like sat down and the whole 
uh, the whole kind of business inside a meeting is like, right, this week we're talking, we're writing about um, supply chains. What have you got on the hedge fund side? What have you got? You know, is it is it kind of across business inside, or is that, or is it more more granular than that? It, that I mean, that's not a, a completely inaccurate characterization of it. Um, <laughs> it's it, it definitely is is like a um, we want to again we want to meet readers where they are. So if someone is if you know if people are reading about the supply chain problems and they want to know more about it um you know it's it doesn't take much for for me to reach out to the people i know in the industry and say like you know I, like i'm sure you guys are thinking about it like what like where are you turning like what what should i be writing you know i, I often ask people like what what should i be writing about um because we want to write things that people actually read like if you write a story and no one reads it then what's the point um like I could think it's you know the best article ever written, but if no one read it, then does it really matter? Um, so it's you know I, I will say uh, you know more of the ideas and more of the things that actually get to print are hedge fund led, just because again that's that's like kind of my purview and my um, like my overall like focus. But um, you know I've definitely written a, a fair amount of stories on on specific vendors that I found interesting or. Um, you know, written about startups that maybe came across some struggles and, um, you know, kind of not positioned as like a cautionary tale or anything, but positioned as like a, this is kind of reality of a, a, a maturing industry or, or just an industry that's, you know, becoming a, you know, a much more, <laughs> uh, much more important one in, in, in the broader financial services space. Um, so, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe the growth picture, which is often is often talked about, the kind of um, you know growing ten times in the in the next seven eight years and and forty percent uh, compound annual growth, etc. Um, does that does that sound for alternative data specifically? I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely seen those numbers, and I'm sure they're in several stories I've written. It it would be surprising, I guess, if you know though it like the growth was just that you know continuous over that entire time to me i guess um just given the struggles i know people have had as far as like selling to larger corporations or working with you know non-financial services companies but even beyond that it's um it i, I it's hard for me to also believe that like people are going to use less data going forward so I, I i do think the space will keep getting bigger um I think you've covered both sides now, Bradley. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> you've covered both eventualities now. You're safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, I think the reality that I see is, I would be shocked if it was like that explosive of growth. But at the same time, like no one saw, obviously, you know, I, you know, last spring happening, but it did happen, and people immediately needed these new forms of data, and. Mm-hmm. And these people weren't, you know, maybe traditional alternative data users. And now that they started using it, it's it's a it's a very much a once you start using it, you don't really stop industry. Um, and so if you know if and if your competitor is using it, then you have to use it. So I, I definitely see the the kind of like hypothesis laid out. Um, I just am, when I when I see the the big numbers, I'm always like, oh, okay, that's. <laughs> there's a lot of there's got a lot of a lot needs to happen for that. Right. There's there's just a lot there's a lot more zeros than I thought there would be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, last question. Um, I know uh for a journalist then a then a every piece can is is uh is a is their baby of of sometimes better or worse looking. Um but uh 
do you have a favorite piece, alternative data related piece that you've written over your over your years at, at Business Insider? That's a really good question. Um, a piece I really enjoyed writing was actually one of the, the first stories I wrote about the space, or longer stories at least I wrote about the space um, a couple of years ago. And it was, a, it was kind of in relation to that Battlefin conference. I, I followed um, a data buyer from, from a hedge fund around that conference and, and kind of told a story from like his vantage point, like what it's like kind of navigating these like, you know, endless meetings and pitches from, from data vendors and, and what he's looking for. And, um, was it, was it, was it anonymous at the time? You don't know which you, you didn't, you didn't say which, which buyer it was. The, the fund has since closed, but it was Credit Suisse's, uh, QT fund. Um, okay. and a data buyer from, from there, uh, Roberto Jedrajic, I, mm. I, I think I mispronounced his last name, but um, he was nice enough to let me follow him around that conference and um, like sit in on some meetings and some pitches. And Battlefend is kind of speed dating in a lot of ways, so you know it's like he's bouncing from you know vendor to vendor, um, and you know and on kind of on the in between, you know we're walking together and he's you know like talking about like this is you know this is why that pitch you know, we're not super interested in, but, you know, if, if they can get this type of data, you know, maybe I'll circle back to them. Um, I don't know if you, if you've ever bought clothes in a Nigerian or Indian market, but um, do you, do you think it was, did it feel similar? I've, I've not, I've not bought clothes at a Nigerian or Indian market, but um, it, it felt, uh, it felt to me at the very least, like it reminded me of, um, I used to, I, played basketball and soccer in high school, but it reminded me of going to like these basketball camps and there's, you know, a thousand kids there. And you're just like, kind of as a camper, you're just kind of like going from one spot to the other, like everyone's shuffling together. All right. Whistle's blown, like move on. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. can't really catch your breath because you're always kind of trying to figure out where you're supposed to be next. Um, but it was, it was a very hectic, chaotic, fun conference. And it was also you know, pre-COVID, which, um, you know, now it's like kind of crazy to think about just how many people we're crammed in there with. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it because I imagine if you're a data buyer in one of those places and, and again, back to the Nigerian um, market, then, you know, there is a clamor for your attention. I imagine. Right. And so you presumably were living in that, in his bubble in terms of being that, being that, you know, being that buyer and so and so kind of sampling that that power in a way did it feel like a kind of powerful powerful place to be it it, it will and, and i think a couple of people initially so i you know i, I introduced myself always like i i'm you know i'm not connected to to him at all i'm i'm a journalist i'm reporting on this like and if you would prefer like you know your firm not be in the story like please let me know but i'm just writing a story about you know things from his perspective like i'm not necessarily writing about your company um, and, you know, I'd say that before we'd sit down the meetings, but sometimes, you know, so loud people wouldn't hear or, you know, someone from that vendor would come in late and they would assume that I would be, uh, you know, a, a part of that team, right? They, you know, I was like this guy's assistant or, you know, another data buyer. And so they would kind of be pitching me and like buttering me up and it would be like, you know, it's, that's not really doing much for your, your bottom line. Unfortunately, I'm, I, I have no, <laughs> I have no money to give you. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, that, I think what, how you phrase it, like a, being kind of in his bubble and, and getting some of his glow. Uh, it was, yeah, you felt very felt much, nice. It felt, yeah, felt pretty you're, good. You're the bell of the ball. It was, you know, everyone, everyone wants to, uh, you know, crack that walnut. Um, and, you know, I, in you know, kind of through that, like there was, 
probably another 10 funds or so data buyers that, you know, I, I kind of introduced myself to and got to know at that conference and, and saw them kind of walking around and, and, you know, it was just a trail of people following them. And it was, um, I, I think, you know, at, at, at some point I'm sure it's just exhausting because, you know, you're obviously not saying yes to a majority of those people. Um, mm-hmm. telling people no all day is, is probably not <laughs> a ton of fun. Um, well, actually, and it's not, and it's not much fun buying buying clothes in the Nigerian market either. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 exhausting. They're all desperate for your attention, but actually, yeah. you've only got so much money. You don't need that many clothes, you know. Yeah, it's like I only have so yeah. many hands. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, well, then I felt for the 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 vendors and a lot. Like I I spend a lot of my day getting told no as well. <laughs> so like I I understand yeah. it. Like you know, I I send a lot of emails, make a lot of calls where people go, I don't want to talk to you, or you know, sometimes they say it in, in uh, more explicit language. But um, so I, you know, I, I definitely understood kind of the the hunger that a lot of these vendors had. But it was it was fascinating to see it from the perspective of the kind of gatekeeper, uh, you know, the person everyone's trying to get to. Um, mm. And so yeah, that, I, when I think of a, a story, I really enjoyed writing. Um, I, I, I've I've loved writing about the space in general, but that one always comes to mind because I, I I thought the access was was pretty unique and the angle on it was was fun. That's fantastic. I will, um, if you send me that, then I'll put it in the, in the episode link. So, um, so people can read that one. Um, but Bradley, um, that's wonderful. It's been a wonderful, um, uh, gallop through alternative data and, and, and the whole scene. And I feel like we've explored the whole, the whole kind of, um, horizon of alternative data, including the future and the present and the past and, um, and, 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 you know, down to, a, down to what it feels like to, to be a buyer at Battlefin. So, um, Brilliant uh, tour de force and um, much appreciated for your time. And, um, and I look forward to re- reading your, your future articles with as much pleasure. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it, Mark. And, and thank you for having me on. And I hope, uh, I hope some people find it interesting. I don't know. I'm sure they will. <laughs> thank you. All right.